Welcome home. As you listen to New Life the Fort, may you continue to experience the fullness of joy, life, and Christ in the days ahead. Last week, we were talking about there's no time like the present. I hope you took every opportunity this last week to make the most of it, to make the most of living. Because really, there isn't, and when I say there isn't much time left, it's simply because Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back sooner than later. And that's not to scare you. That should be exciting. You know, because he's coming back, the Bible tells us, for a glorious church, a victorious church. That's us. You're a part of that as a believer in Christ Jesus. And every week, week after week, we have the opportunity for the word to wash over us and help change our thinking. Help our thinking line up with how he thinks about things. Even how he does things. And this is important for us. Now last week, the scripture that we dropped off from, jumped off from is Romans 10, 15, and we're reading the, the end half of it. It says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And so as we broke that down last week, we realized that beautiful doesn't necessarily mean pretty. It means timely. And we need things to happen at the right time, correct? In fact, I had my own version of that scripture, which said, How timely is the message of peace that is announced and preached by one who sits at Jesus' feet, declaring his victory through his finished work. See, everything we're going to do and knowing the time to step into things comes from that place of sitting at his feet and when we sit there, we know what needs to be done. In fact, we not only know what needs to be done, we know what to speak. And what do we speak? We, sp we speak, we preach, we declare the gospel of peace. This gospel that God in his graciousness reconciled the world to himself through his son Jesus at the cross. Where Jesus became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God when we believed in him. We preach this gospel to everyone who will hear. Everyone. And that may be a relative. It may be a friend. It may not even be someone you know. It could be a stranger on the street. But something rises up on the inside of you that says, hey, I need to let you know that Jesus loves you so. I mean, I had a bunch of questions, right, for you. When, when is the right time for, for you to lose weight? When's the right time to invest? When's the right time to sow? All of these things, the answer to that is now. Now. See, the thing with now is that it brings us into a place of faith. Because now faith is. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Faith. It brings us into this place when we're announcing that this is what can happen to you. The moment they believe it, they can walk in it. It becomes now. 
It's a present in the present. Jesus is a gift that when you unwrap him, there is still so much more to unwrap and discover. And this is something we want to be able to give to the people around us. So there really is no time like the present. We don't want to waste any moment. We don't want to be what Ephesians 5.15 says. We don't want to run around like idiots. That's not you. Tell your neighbor that's not you. Instead, walk as the wise. Now you can say, that's me. That's me. That we're people who make the most of every living, breathing moment because these days are evil. And yet, in the midst of this darkness, God has given us the ability and the time to step out and begin to preach, declare, speak about his son and what he has done for each and every one. Jesus didn't die on the cross and say, everybody but this person. No, he died for everyone, especially you. And that's important for us to know. See, now can be the beginning of something or the end of something. Last week I mentioned that it takes 21 days to build a habit or to break a habit. And really with this quarantine that we're in, again, there's a 21-day window almost. And it's the opportunity to start something new or the opportunity to break something so that you can be free. But do you know that now can also be the continuation of something? Because right now is the only moment that I have to pursue that for which I'm walking into. Now. So I want to go through some words. As I was studying, these words came into my heart about what's going to help us be able to step into the now. What's going to help us be able to step into the now? The first one is this, preparation. See, a lot of people want the immediately and the suddenly. And then when it happens, you're not ready. Well, you need to be preparing right now so that when that immediately and suddenly happens, you're ready. You can receive it. You can walk in it. You can enjoy it. Proverbs 16, verse 1 says, The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. See, you and I have to make a choice to set our heart on the things of God. And if we set our, thing, our heart on the things of God, then we prepare to receive the bigness of it. Because God's heart is big. It's big. And as we're preparing our heart, we're stirring up faith. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing. So there's a, in the preparation, I lean in to hear and hear the good news about Jesus Christ. Because the Bible tells us in, in Hebrews eleven six, 6, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to God Come to him, must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Why would you sincerely seek after something that you don't really know about? The thing is, we've heard about him. 
We're willing to pursue because we know what he's willing to do. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? She had heard about Jesus, the Bible says. She had heard about Jesus, and she had gone to reach out. She goes, you know what? All of, all, if I just touch the hem of his garment, it will be more than enough for me. And she did. She pushed through the crowd. She touched the hem. And we know what happens. The Bible tells us that Jesus felt virtue or power come out of him. And she was healed at that very moment. But she knew in her heart if she just touched the hem of his garment. Do you know that in her hearing, her heart was prepared? She was preparing her heart to receive her miracle. She saw it already. She's like, if I touched the hem, I know I'm going to be healed. And the manifestation followed. But she came with such faith in the person of Christ. She wasn't moved by all the people who were thronging him. She wasn't moved by, you know, in fact, she, she was daring to go out in the midst of the people. And she could have been stoned for it. She could have lost her life. But, you know, for her, it was worth it. Because I was going to receive my healing today. But she prepared her heart by hearing and hearing and hearing. So I encourage you, don't stop hearing the word. Let that become so real. Not just going through your ears and it becomes head knowledge, but it becomes heart knowledge where it, where it gives you such a stability in the midst of changing times. You're not moved. I love the attitude of David. You know, David wanted to build God, this amazing temple. He goes, I live in a palace, but God lives in a tent. He should have his own, his own temple. But God told him, while I love your heart, David, you will not be the one that will build it for me. There is too much blood on your hands. Your son will build it for me. But this was his attitude. In 1 Chronicles 22, 5, it says, Now David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious all, throughout all countries. I will now make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. David saw it so big in his heart that even now he was going to be sowing into that. He was making his now, his present count. I love that heart, and I believe that that's the heart we have as well. And I'm just stirring that up on the inside of you. And it didn't stop with just making one preparation for it. Every day was an opportunity to make abundant preparations, and it said before his death. And so you have David just continually making every day count. Preparation. Preparation enables us to step into the now. Number two, very, very important. Our, our position and identity our position and identity, because you need to know whose you are, who you are, and where you are. You need to know that. You need to know that you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might, and over every name that is named. That is where you are seated, right there with him. 
But 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10 also tells us this. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Ephesians 5, 8 to 9 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, you are children of light and children of the Lord now. Not you're going to be right now. Ephesians 2, 13 to 22 says, But now, in Christ Jesus, You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the wall, middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross by putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, I love that. I love the nows. And I'm sure there's going to be so much more preaching, at least I think for me, about now. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That's all happening now in Christ. But these are things we need to continue to discover. These are things that we need to uncover because the Scriptures are not keeping them hidden from us The scripture and the Holy Spirit are bringing revelation to us. So we need to understand our position in Christ, where he's placed us and our identity. Weeks ago, maybe a couple of months, we were talking about being a king and a priest. That's who he's made us to be, a king and a priest. That carries both authority, position, and identity. And that's something you and I carry in the spirit. So no matter what your situation may be, when you come into a place as a representative of Christ, because he is the king of kings, he is the Lord of lords, but who is he king and lord over? Smaller kings, smaller priests, smaller lords. Why? Because we are a part of him. So now we can begin to go into places now, bringing this gospel to people because they need to hear the good news. 
The good news is the only thing that can set them free. And it's not just any good news. It's the good news about Jesus Christ. It's the good news that God is not mad at us. It's the good news that sin doesn't have the final say. Jesus does. Death doesn't have the final say. Jesus does. That's good news. So we have, both, we have preparation, we have position and identity, and now we have prayer. Prayer. You know, prayer can be being on your knees with your hands folded together and you speaking. Lord God, creator of heaven and earth. But it's actually a conversation. It's just speaking to him like I'm speaking to you. It's not hard. But prayer is important because it helps us to process the plans that God is stirring up in us so that in the processing, we can take a, a step and our feet have placement. It's not unstable. Prayer goes before us to prepare the way. But prayer is necessary for us to process the placement of our feet. In Colossians 1, 9 to 14, it says, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. And then it continues to tell us a little bit more of our identity. See, as we process these things in prayer, God continually shows us who we are, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 to 12, New Living Translation says, So we keep on praying for you. You know, we pray for people, but you can also continually pray for yourself. In fact, that prayer in Colossians, you can speak over yourself. I do not cease to pray for myself and my family and to ask that we may be filled with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. What are you doing? You're making it personal. And prayer should be something that's personal. Because in prayer, you can become intimate with the Father. And it's not just you speaking to him. It's you pausing to hear what he has to say. So in 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 to 12, it says, So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live. And you will be honored along with him. And this is all made possible because of the grace of our Lord, of our God and Lord, Jesus Christ. That's an awesome prayer. Even right there. 
It's like, Lord, I ask you to enable me to live a life worthy of your call, that you would give me the power to accomplish all the good things that my faith prompts me to do, and that, Jesus, you would be honored because of the way I live. Remember, that's what we were reading in Ephesians, right? When we were talking about um, living circumspectly, redeeming the time or making the most of every moment. That brings glory to God. Because really, at the end of the day, we're not living for ourselves. Because what is our faith attached to? Our faith is attached to the person of Christ. He is the substance of the things that we hope for. That's him. Because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the beginning and the end of our faith. He initiates it. And he tells us that we should be praying so that when, when we're in this moment of now, we know exactly what to do. We don't waste a moment. We don't waste our time. We know what needs to happen. So we have preparation, position, and identity. We have prayer. I think there's another P coming. And this is something that we all need to do, even when we're in, this, in the now, is patience. Is to realize that we have been given, as part of the fruit of the Spirit, patience. Sometimes we're like, God, give me more patience. And he goes, you know what? You've been given, there's so many opportunities for you to build your patience up. Hey, I'm speaking to myself. And maybe in this time that we're in right now, patience is something that's really needed. But one of the things I wrote here for myself was, patience is needed because one step doesn't mean that you're already there. But as you patiently take those steps, it's, um, it, you are now taking the advantage, you're taking advantage of the present to move forward one step at a time, and now you are closer than you were before. Because sometimes we want to rush to the end. We want the end right now. But God is also in the journey. So when we step into the now, we need patience to enjoy the moment. In 2 Corinthians 6, 1-2, it says, we then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, or look and see, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You know, when, when I was preparing this earlier, I had this in my heart. There are some of you that are waiting for healing. You're waiting for healing. Receive healing now. Receive it now. Because what Jesus finished at the cross included healing, health, and wholeness. He's already given that to you. Now it's just the manifestation of that truth. This is where faith comes in. You receive by faith what grace has given. Grace has given health and wholeness to you. Your body now just has to come in line with it. 
And it may, you may need patience because your body is still coming in line. But we speak that to each person that is sick with a debilitating disease or you've had a diagnosis that uh, in, uh, the doctors say is irreversible. Whatever the case may be, I speak healing and wholeness because I speak Jesus to you. And I speak that in this time of you waiting, patience is growing. You're getting stronger because you know as you are hearing, your faith is rising up. And your faith is not in your ability to believe, but in his ability to do exactly what he said he would and who he is. In Philippians 2, 12 to 13, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in, in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Work out your salvation. That takes patience. Right now, every day, you and I need to work out our salvation. Does that mean we have to work for our salvation? No. It's already inside of you. You and I need to work it out like we're exercising salvation. So what's salvation? It's deliverance. It's rescue from the enemy. It's being made whole. It's being healed. It's being restored. This is part of the salvation package. This is eventually going to heaven one day. Not now. One day. But you could live heaven on earth. Right now. But I love that it says with fear and trembling. It's like, why with fear and trembling? Because your life is not your own. And what you're working out, you didn't necessarily qualify for. But he gave it to you. Simply because he loved you. But with this fear and trembling comes the fourth thing, although it's not a letter P. When you're working this out with fear and trembling, you need courage. Courage. To be able to step into the now, you and I need courage. Because it doesn't necessarily make any sense, right? To enjoy this moment, it takes courage. If you've been hurt, if you've been disappointed, it takes courage to stand on up and believe God for more. But it takes courage. Can you imagine what Joshua must have felt like? Moses dies, and now he's in charge. And now he has to take all of these people across the Jordan to take the promised land. But God shows up. God shows up and he tells him, Moses, my servant, is dead. But every promise I made Moses, I make to you as well. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. See, I love how God was already speaking. You walk it, it's yours. If you see it and you walk it out, you'll never take ground. I said that last week. You can go revisit that. But take ground. But when he says this, then he also says this to Joshua in verse 6, chapter 1. Be strong and of good courage. He says this three times all the way to verse 9. 
Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Then he goes, only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? It's kind of like, Joshua, if you didn't get it the first time or the second time, here's a third time for you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If New Life the Ford is your house, and take ground was the word for this year, then I say to you, New Life the Ford, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. The Lord our God is with us wherever we go, so be strong and be of good courage. Now is not the time to back down. Now is the time to move forward. Now is the time to take ground. And where there is courage, the sixth thing here, or fifth thing is, there's a boldness. A boldness. I'm counting. I think I made a mistake. I think that's six. It's six, right? Thank you, everyone who's here. So six. Boldness. With the courage comes boldness. Of course, this is our favorite scripture. Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come boldly. He doesn't say, come and beg me. He says, come boldly. With that, with that strength and that courage that rises up and you knowing that God is with you, then you coming before his throne as a son or daughter, you're not afraid. Because you know how much Papa loves you. You know how much Daddy loves you. How he loves it when you come into his presence and he loves it even more when you're bold about it. He loves it. Last week, I'd given this scripture in 1 first, in first Thessalonians 2.2. 2. And this is about uh, Paul. He says, even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. So I don't know what you're going through right now. But now is the time to be bold in our God to speak the gospel of God in the midst of your conflict. No matter what you're going through, no matter what storm is raging, it is time to stand up and be bold. People who are bold speak. They're not, they're not, um, they're not timid. They're not shy. No, they're going to speak. Because there's like a roar that rises up on the inside of you. I like, I pretty much sound like I'm roaring all the time. But there's a boldness that comes. 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says, now this is the confidence. See, a confidence brings a boldness. We, now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, 
We know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So what are you going to ask boldly for? See, that's why it's so important to prepare your heart through the word. Get that word down deep because that's what's going to come out of your mouth to speak. That's what you're going to be bold to say, Lord, I thank you that your word says, right now, this is mine in Christ. I think, I, I, not I think, I know this. God is raising up a very bold people. It's going to be a people that have not been seen before with a boldness that has never been felt before. You and I are a part of that. Philippians 1, 13 to 14 and verse 19 to 21. <clears throat> so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I'm back. Okay. So we have Paul here in chains, but that didn't stop him. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to cough a little bit more. <coughs> I think I'm good now. Not yet. Okay, I'm back. Okay. It says, most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident in my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. It's like, we're confident that Paul is in jail, but that didn't stop him. So that's going to give me the boldness to speak the word without fear. Imagine, what would you do and what would you say if there was no fear? And when I say, what would you say? What would you say about Jesus if you didn't have fear of the, of the rejection of people? What would you tell them? Look in the mirror and begin to practice now. Because the day is coming when you're going to speak it. You're going to say it. And then it says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing... I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You know what Paul was simply saying here? I'm going to make the most of every day that I have, even if I'm chained up. They're going to hear me talking about Jesus. I mean, come on, Paul and Silas were in jail, right? In the dark, and it says at midnight, as they were singing hymns to the Lord, there were other prisoners around. They didn't care. They were going to praise the Lord in the midst of it, and I'm sure they were, everybody thought they were crazy. The Bible tells us that there was an earthquake, and it shook the very foundation of the prison, and all the doors flew open. I love that picture. Because when we stop to worship the Lord, when we stop caring about what other people are going to think, and we just worship him for who he is, then all the doors get thrown open and the captives are set free. And people may not even realize that's what happened, but all of a sudden there's a freedom that comes, a lightness that comes, a burden's been lifted. Why? Because I didn't care what you were going to think about me. All I cared about was worshiping my Jesus because I know what he's done for me. 
and I'm making the most of this moment right now because it's all I have. It's all I have. Now. But I love that picture that Paul says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because he didn't see death as being the final thing. Because he knew that he was going to fall asleep one day, and the moment he fell asleep, he would be with his Jesus face to face. If you continue that, he was like, well, I want to go be with Jesus, but I know it's more important for me to stay here with you. Why? So that I can continue to tell, I can, I, I can continue to tell you how much he loves you. How much he loves you. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Right now, the life that I live in the flesh is not my own. I am not my own. I surrendered my life to him. And so the life that I should be living would be his. Allowing him to bring me to where I need to go, speak to who needs to be spoken to, to love on people that are unlovable, but to let him be Jesus in me. Because I'm part of his body, as you are in Christ. And I want to end with this scripture in, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 21. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, I love those words, is in Christ, because it tells you what is present right now. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, is is a present tense. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Again, present tense. And then I love verse 18. Now, now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I love that because here again it shows me that my life is not my own. He has committed to me exactly what was committed to Christ, to reconcile the world to the Father. I'm not the Savior, neither are you. But we have a personal relationship with the Savior. And we can introduce people to him through our lives. But that can only happen when we begin to realize that there is no time like the present. Now is the moment. You can't wait. Although unless God says, wait a bit, you wait a bit. But there's always something happening in the now with him. There are God things that are happening in the now. But now, God is just calling out to you now. This is the
the second Sunday of the week, of this new month. I believe with all my heart this will be an amazing Christmas. I don't know how that's going to be. I just know that within my heart. It's going to be an amazing Christmas. Because God has always shown us amazing Christmases. Maybe they're not as spectacular as the year before, but they're always amazing. There's always a thankfulness that rises in our heart. But I purpose, and I pray that you do the same, that we purpose to live each day and make it count towards eternity. Eternity with him. Eternal life. And that when the enemy comes to accuse you of your past, you can say, no, if the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, and my reality is I am in Christ, I am in Christ. I am a new creation. That is who I am. All the old things have passed away. See, and I have to say this to myself, see, you are new. And in this newness, in this now that God has given us, he has also given us this amazing opportunity to be carriers of the word of reconciliation. So ladies and gentlemen, every one of you watching, let me tell you that God loves you. Right now, may you experience the love of God in all its various measures. The width, the length, the depth, the height, right now. May you be so flooded with his presence right now that it shakes you to the very core. But it also begins to take off you the things, the burdens and the cares that you were not meant to carry, but he wants to carry them for you. May you be so saturated in his love that the pains and symptoms that you've been feeling in your body must bow its knee to him. And that you feel a strength flood through every fiber of your body. If you feel that you're so far away from God and you cannot reach him, know this. He loved you so much, he drew near. He came. He came and died in your place. So that sin no longer had a hold on you. But he also rose again so that you could have real and lasting life and live it to the full till it overflows. So I want an issue, an invitation to you. Those of you that want to be reconciled to God, those of you that want to accept the gift that he gives right now, isn't that awesome? A gift is a present. And I think I said this last week as well, a present in the present. He wants you to partake of this as you receive it today. And in receiving the present, you are receiving the presence of Jesus in your heart. So if this is you, pray this along with me today. Heavenly Father, I surrender my life to you today. I thank you that Jesus took 
my sin and my shame, my pain and my hurt, my sickness and my disease. He took it on the cross because of your great love for me. Yes, I was a sinner. But today, because I believe in Christ, I am a new creation. Now I am of God. And my life will begin to line up with that truth. So Holy Spirit, show me the reality of who I have become in Christ and help me to understand who he, who he is and what he has done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on social media or visit us at newlifethefort.com.